0: Hello, everybody, peeps. Welcome to Riot Act. This is episode 39 of the Alternative Music Podcast, starring myself, Mr. Stephen Hill. Howdy, how are you doing? You're all right? Good to see you. And featuring, as always, everyone's favorite teacup monster glugging. Oh, God, finish it. You can finish it. Come on, you can do it. Come on. Uh, Coffee teacup monster glugging Neanderthal pig?
1: Right, didn't quite go in the direction I was hoping it would, but sure.
0: <laughs> Sorry, mate. Everyone's
1: favourite. Everyone's favourite, though. So second favourite. I oh.
0: after their favourite. Uh, okay, a good cool. This. Yeah, good it's start. nice to see. Sorry, you mate. Too, that was that an insult. <laughs> Uh, I didn't mean for it to be one. It's fine. It was quite
1: amusing. It just
0: sort of came out. It It was amusing you seeing you flail. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. None of those. It's just the first words that came to mind. It's fine. It's only words. It is. (laughs) Uh, How are you, mate? Do you have a nice Easter?
1: All right. I have had a perfectly fine Easter. Thank you very much. Neither good, nor bad. It's just been fine. I tell you what, though, Steve. Mm -hmm. I've not had any Easter eggs yet.
0: I've gone two days without an Easter egg. Whoa! I'm like bloody and McGregor, that bit in train spotting where the baby goes on the scene.
1: <laughs> this is a man who was having Easter eggs drip fed to him. Yeah,
0: kind of three Easter eggs a day for a little <laughs> yeah. bit. i am not had one for two days. I feel pretty good about myself.
1: Yeah? Because yeah. you had a bit of an Easter egg uh, letharge. I did, yeah. Last, <laughs> Shall we last say week last, last week?
0: I'm glad to see the fucking back of it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Cutting up for the summer, aren't I?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Something like that, yeah. Jesus anyway.
1: doesn't want you to be fat, Steve. So. No, he doesn't. There no. you go.
0: Quite why he insists on coming <laughs> yeah. back to life and giving me chocolate eggs every year. <laughs> it seems ridiculous. Um, but anyway, uh, we should get on with the show, renfrey because it is a bloody packed show this week. We're going to be talking about new albums from the Flaming Lips, from the Damn Things, and from Lost in the Riots, plus the most expansive transatlantic trade-off ever. This mm. has become, for my money, the most interesting trade-off that we have ever done because we're going to be not just talking individually about two albums that we've given each other, but fate has fallen on it that we have given each other two monolithic records from either side of the uh, the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. On one side of the pond, we have the massive Urban Hymns by The Verve. And on the other side, we have the probably even more massive uh, yeah, Cracked exactly. Rear View by Hootie and the Blowfish. Um, one album which is huge in America and means very little over here. Yeah. And one album which is huge over here means very little in America. So yeah. we're going to be looking at uh, what, why that is.
1: Yeah, um, both released at a similar-ish sort of time. Sort of yeah. time. Who in the blowfish 94, Verve 97, so mm-hmm. there's that that's comparable as well. And also, um, I'm sure we'll get into this, but it was more almost, almost the height of the music industry in terms of album sales and so on and so forth. There so. are
0: some eye-watering mm. figures coming up later. Oh, yeah. uh, so that's coming up later on in the show. Um, go over to uh, our friends at Musicism. Musicism. .net is where they uh, they do all the courses for you, for you, the budding musician. You can uh, sign up for their courses for the paltry sum of £9.99 a month. Ridiculous. You become a better producer, a better singer, or a better guitarist. Normally, Amazing. I do it in the opposite direction. So just to let you know. Oh, I, very d- good. Because d- d- normally I say guitarist, singer, producer. Mm-hmm. Singer's still in the middle. That feels mm-hmm. like the kind of axis of mm-hmm. that. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and uh, capital letters in the checkout. Riot. Mm-hmm. That's what you put. Mm-hmm. 25% off. yeah i think that's quite a good deal
1: this is becoming more yoda every week you just I've done it a lot, you're yeah. saying all the same words but just yeah. rearranging them into so different I'm sentences go next week
0: i'm gonna go musicism riot dot net capitals <laughs> singer 25 percent producer guitarist off <laughs>
1: our stuff i like yeah uh, uh, anyway lovely. but that's next week mm, um right.
0: also poachingcom forward slash right act podcast if you'd like to contribute to our little community over there which is uh, growing every day we thank yep. you very much for those people who have co- uh, contributed in in some ways um we're going to sit down after this podcast renfrey and i and we're going to record two rioters reviews yep uh, one on science fiction by uncle yep and one on magic whip by blur yep and that'll be going up for patrons very soon. soon. And for freeloaders, you'll be getting that sometime after the earth is just a frazzled mess so it'll yeah. just be for cockroaches sometimes so it's a long time away <laughs> uh before we be we
1: out. have some great cockroach listeners though so yeah. uh no big up to our to big up to my
0: cockroaches you, To all you cockroaches out there uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah but already up there you know if you are if you do feel like just um mm-hmm. chucking in a few quid then we've done the likes of the mountain preachers bonniver nick cave oasis type of negative devon townsend um, uh, massive hawkeyes. attack, massive attack, hawkeyes, yeah. um, 68. Yep, lots and lots of ones. Uh, so if there's anything that you haven't ever heard us mention before that you think, oh, I wonder what they think about that, well, you don't get to know unless you pay. <sighs> that's quite a brutal way of putting it. That really, was really it? nasty <laughs> at the end. I was like, oh, thanks very much. Um, but yes, uh, also we have merch available, um, at rightact.com. Mm. You can purchase as well. There you go, that's a hard sell out of the way. So, Renfrew, last week, um, we spoke. About three albums um, in reviews. Uh, We like the old Memory of Elephants record. Yes. Between the two of us. I didn't, I quite like the Chemical Brothers record. Mm -hmm. Half of it I thought was really good. Half of it I wasn't so keen on. And we spoke at length, almost not really reviewing the record, but just trying to understand the appeal of Sun. Mm. Now... This um, is the
1: Seattle Doom uh doom metal yeah they are metal aren't they doom metal yeah
0: Project. Well, they're definitely they're definitely a, a doom metal band and we said you know if you are somebody who is a fan of sun then do send us something uh do tweet us and let us know you know say like what it is you like about them and elliot paisley has been in touch hello elliot thank you very much for getting in touch with us thank you. sent us a, a, basically an essay
1: yeah uh, a really good one as well and a
0: good one as well i mean it feels i don't really know where to start or where to to kind of end on this because it's actually it's a really really interesting defense of yeah not even defense really but a kind of um the the reason for for why son work it's earlier
1: saying it's saying him saying what appeals to him about son i suppose
0: yeah um he's put let me try and find stuff that i think that is actually um it, it makes his points very sentiently yeah. um he says, obviously, it isn't enough to simply enjoy it because it makes your friends gasp. So he sort of said, you know, I'm not listening to it. And there's a bit where he's saying, you know, I'm not listening to it just to kind of be like, oh, look how kind of clever and brutal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which,
1: which was something that we not posited, but something that we last week we were talking about how actually you brought it up how uh, yeah. it, they've become like the cool extreme metal act to like in a lot of ways. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah like a little bit i mean i i feel a bit shitty saying that to someone because i wouldn't want someone to say that to me so i wouldn't sort of say it, like to say it to someone else no. Like well, you only like it because it's like oh, i think it's a real shitty thing to say so i would try not to say yeah that to someone. yeah yeah um but anyway he said you know uh, i think he's, he's made a comparison to um to emperor emperor played really really slowly um not decipherable at first listen but completely potent with repeated investigations But, he says, not their primary appeal, but it is still there. People often try and throw the is it art" argument at them. Yeah, I don't think that is their intention necessarily. It's boundary pushing, but I don't think it's always intended to be highbrow. Rather, I would say quite often it's the opposite. It appeals to the caveman instinct in the same way that thrash metal, hardcore, house music, or any music which aims for the gut should. I can't help but get a thrill at listening to a throbbing distorted bellow, a shocking volume when it's partnered with choirs or black metal traits as it is on Monoliths. And black ones, respectively. It's a, f- a fabulous amalgam. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I can't really when you argue put it like with that. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it does make a lot of uh, a lot of sense. Um, yeah, to me. Um,
1: Actually, in, in a similar sort of sense, I mean, it's not exactly the same because I would say that Mogwai are more tuneful, yep. personally. But um, the sheer loudness that you experience at a Mogwai gig and the sheer quietness actually mm. is something that cannot be repeated outside of those circumstances so I can understand that absolutely 100%
0: I think we'll put the whole thing up here because it's good but one of the, yeah. the last thing I want to put is and, and this actually made me go hmm yeah that's cool he says you can play their music and watch 2001 A Space Oddity and it's overwhelmingly effective but you can also just let it wash over you and enjoy the brute force that's a difficult balance to strike that's really true and yeah. few bands have done it quite like this again I can't really argue with that. So yeah, yeah. um I think we'll put it's a it's a it's a really interesting um take on, on what it is to be a Sun fan and, and, and understand it. So thank you for that, Elliot. That's yeah. uh really cool that you sent that in. We and will I'm
1: gonna contact you, uh I probably would have contacted you by the time you hear this, but I'm gonna ask if we can put that up in full so that everyone yeah, can that. Yeah, that'd it be cool. Like Facebook. I'd like
0: people to be able to um to see a kind of an alternative view and you know, mm. that's that's wicked that people have really, the time out to do that.
1: Yeah, and really well argued as well. Yeah. Like I, I, like I say I, I have nothing in retort to that really mm. I'm like well fair enough yeah so yeah
0: that's uh, cool so cheers cheers for that uh, also um, Renfrey now on Easter Saturday is that a thing they call it Easter Saturday uh,
1: yeah we can do for the sake of <laughs> this Link last time. Uh, I wasn't
0: around and I was pretty gutted that I wasn't around because you know family it's, it's time for family and quite why daughters would choose to be I should have got the daughter. they are daughters they are family aren't <laughs> they um, but you went again to see daughters uh, once again yeah which I'm really pretty fucking pissed off about it i've not I been to enough gigs this year no mate by any stretch what's of the going on
1: well there's I'll a be, <laughs> there's a shitload of gigs coming up right I think now I'm just sort of um out, waiting well i really wanted to give daughters another crack after roadburn because a i thought they were absolutely spellbinding at roadburn but i don't think i really put across just how epically brilliantly brilliant they are um that album the new daughters album makes a lot more sense to me now. And I feel like every time I listen to it now, I'm hearing something different because I've heard different stuff mm. um, being prioritized maybe in the live setup. Um, they started, I mean, they played eight songs from the new record and there's 10 on the new album. So they play yeah. the majority of the new record record and they start with the reason they hate me, which is track eight, which is in, I mean, it is one of the most difficult tracks on a difficult album. Mm so from the beginning you're just sort of thrown into their world and they walked on and I could see the kind of scars and the like opening sores from um the the vocalist Alexei he kind of self-flagellates himself during the performance and stuff like that and i could see the ones that he'd actually got from roadburn like on him <laughs> and i was like oh this is a bit bizarre and weird yeah. and it's a very much one of those performances where it's so visceral it's almost mm. uncomfortable um but everyone fucking lapped it up um there is just something so admirable about a band setting out to be as um distressing Mm. and almost cruel in as many different ways as they possibly can and i know that saying that is not going to anyone who has not heard daughters is not going to go oh well that sounds right up my alley apart from maybe stephen hill Uh, (laughs) but um they they really are an incredible band i think Seeing the new stuff up against the old stuff. I mean, they went from Satan and the Way into the Dead Singer, you know, and just seeing kind of like oh. the two juxtapositions of like how they've grown with that material and not, you know, not got better, in my opinion. They've just taken, right, what is the thing that makes us daughters and let's shift it into almost a different post punky, completely
0: of realm. different genre of music. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, if, if you're but if no you're, less intense definitely no less intense if you're unfamiliar with daughter's early material they were more or less a grindcore band yeah. would you say that mm-hmm. yeah um then kind of switched to would you call the self-titled album post hardcore or hardcore or you're more of an expert on this i know it doesn't matter but i don't know yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's hard it's hard but yeah, yeah.
0: Hardcore. i think hardcore
1: they've great. gone they've gone from grindcore into like a post-punky type thing mm. but they're still
0: menacing as fuck i almost there's there's a lot of sort of industrial Mm. the the latest album almost sounds like an industrial shit without the sort of bells and whistles yeah Um,
1: and seeing and actually like do the lyrics like guest house the last song on that new album where he's like um uh i'm knocking i'm knocking i'm knocking i'm knocking let me in you know seeing him do that live and like the sheer tyranny on his face almost is just uh petrifying it's, it's like it's amazing it really is like it's an incredible incredible performance they are actually going to be back for arc Tangent and a couple of other festivals as well later in the year and i strongly recommend that you try and find a way to see them because they really are this is the third time i've seen them now and each time has been a totally different experience yeah. i feel
0: i'd I really would like to see them. I mean, that's you one really of should. the. I have to say, I thought last year was a good, a good year for music. I thought it was ex- yeah, very uh, good, very good. Um, but because of the amount of stuff that we listen to on a weekly basis and the amount of stuff that comes out, I do often find it hard to kind of go back to that many of the records yeah. from last year. And uh, I kind—I of, feel like you know every year, even though there'll be records that you love. Only a kind of very, only, you know, you count on one hand the amount that you will stick on, stick with a lot. Mm -hmm. And that Daughter's Record has become one of the ones that I have stuck with the most Yeah, last year, I think.
1: It was in your top 20, wasn't
0: it? It was, yeah. It wasn't
1: in mine at the time because I still felt like I hadn't got to grips with the record. And I did actually say at that point, they're coming over in April and hopefully that will change my assessment of it almost. I think if we were redoing the top 20 now, I imagine Mm -hmm. it would be in there. Um, so I get it more now. I still find it very difficult to listen to, yeah. but you know, I kind of, I feel like I've got my hooks into it now, mm. you know?
0: Okay. Well, speaking of getting your uh, hooks into something, let's do some reviews, Yeah, And let's start <laughs> where we have to start really, which is with the Flaming Lips, uh, the King's Mouth. This is the 15th studio album from the uh, commercial Kings of alternative Psychedelic madness, I suppose, is what you would yeah, call, think, yeah. call the flaming lips. That's fair. Um, featuring Mick Jones and the Clash on narrating duties throughout <laughs> the record. So it's almost like a collaborative record. Um, uh, a <coughs> concept record of sorts. Yes, I would Not call it a concept sorts. record. I mean, a, a full-blown concept record, a full-blown kind of um, musical, almost. An opera in, in a lot of ways yeah
1: yeah yeah i guess um i do have a one sentence uh synopsis i go thought i it. might as well go for it um it's about a hero who takes it upon himself to valiantly fight against an oncoming threat to the city thus becoming a beloved champion
0: yeah he becomes that... a sort of martyr of the people of his uh his, his city yeah king.
1: that feels like a very truncated
0: version of events <laughs> but yes that yeah. is
1: more or less what happens
0: well before we get into it um the flaming lips
1: renfrey mm.
0: are you a fan always kind of been more of
1: an admirer than a fan um mm. i think everyone sort of talks about um it's yashimi mm, battle pink yoshimitsu robots.
0: versus the yoshimitsu versus the pink robots
1: thank you very much mm. um i remember Sorry,
0: Yoshini, you are right you should, uh, i said yoshimitsu but all right
1: um you know that was such a big record at the time and i remember listening to it and being like this is really interesting mm. and odd and then the soft bulletin uh, which before. came out just before that mm. as well um so i'm aware of those records and like them but you know you just said they have a 15 Album, back catalogue, I have not spread any further than than those two records. But I do really like them. I have a lot of admiration
0: for them. Let me fill in the gaps then, if you like. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the Flaming Lips, Mm -hmm. uh, although I have to say I have become a little bit jaded by them over the last few years.
1: Yeah, there seems to be a general perception of that. And
0: the reason for that has been that um, <coughs> I remember s- I saw the Flaming Lips on the second stage at Reading in 1996 on Sunday. Nice. The headline the second stage. I didn't watch very much, but I saw, you know, I saw a, f- a, f- a fair bit. And um, they were touring Cloud's Taste Metallic at that point. Um, and, you know, their their big album was Transmissions from the Satellite Heart. Obviously, they were on Beavers and Butthead and they... They played Letterman doing uh-huh. um, She Don't Like Jelly. Uh-huh. Obviously, that was a kind of big alt single in like 93, 94, whenever that came out. And um, and I thought they were a really cool, interesting, weird band. Now, I would look at them in the same way as you look at, say, Butthole Surfers. So yes. Butthole Surfers were another band who you went, that's very, very odd. Yeah. this band <laughs> this weird kind of they're all they, you know they're essentially like a grunge band but you know i guess the, the world is more open to that back in those days maybe uh primus are yes another good yeah, example yeah yeah, yeah. Of a band that were like the flaming lips you know like uh a lot of people like primus but they just thought this is weird they were divisive i felt like early on the flaming lips were a much easier band or i mean i say that it was kind of their early to mid period is getting up towards soft bulletin sort of um uh, around that era where uh the the middle when you get a soft bulletin they they attract a lot of nme fans yeah a lot of kind of much more you know it's a mainstream hit um it was the enemy album of the year that year i believe as well as versus the pink robots when that came out a few years later and it felt less like they were a rock band, like a quirky rock band, and more like they started to transition into something approaching more what they are now. So I liked I liked the Flaming Lips with a bit of grit, a bit of punk, and a bit of guitar. Um, you know, kind of a bit of a grittier guitar. Yeah. Uh, having said that, the Soft Bulletin <laughs> particularly. I think. I mean, people do say about Yoshimi versus the um, battles of the Pink Robots, and that's a that's a really that's a really good record. Mm -hmm. I think the Soft Bulletin is better. The Soft Bulletin has got much more going on for it for me. I think than than the other record, and that's where it started to go super twee. I thought it was good. I just missed the little bit of punk grit that they used to have from those early records. I was
1: going to bring up this uh, this uh, twee because in the past you've been not particularly keen on the twee. Mm. Um, and I was wondering where the Flaming Lips sat for you. With well, the tweeness. Flaming
0: Lips, went at their best, they saw. <coughs> and I think that's something that a lot of these twee bands don't do. Flaming Lips, what I thought became really cool of them is they weren't interested in being lo-fi. I mean, you listen to this latest album on, on a pair of headphones mm. and mm, it it's big. is it's fucking amazing Mm, like it's mm. a but again you know i said last week that's just hardware and so Mm -hmm. you know i i think it's cool that they they try and make stuff sore, but i do miss them having a little bit more of a kind of edge to it um at war with the mystics which came out in 2006 i was quite excited by that coming out because i thought at that point no you know they're they're a big band and it it was kind of their commercial peak I wasn't that keen on that record, and since that record's come out, I've not really bothered with anything that they've done. Right. I've kind of felt like they don't really belong to me anymore. You know, they were headlining Coachella, they were winning kind of Grammys for, best, yep. you know, alternative band and stuff, which you know, still interesting to me, but you know, still part of what we talk about. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't really something which I then felt like I was particularly that interested in. It felt like they'd gone too far down a road which. Um, which I didn't recognize so much anymore. And there's only so many hours in the day, isn't there? Yeah, You know, course. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. I've 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 got eight Flaming Lips albums out of their yeah. 15. So, you know, yeah. I, <laughs> I think, feel like I've got enough. Um, I've got nine now. Um, And yeah, so I like the Flaming Lips, but I feel like, well, I don't want to spoil this for the review, but there's an album that I could compare it to that's been quite divisive, and there's been a, a, an element of it that's been quite divisive. That I think could would would make King's Mouth better, but we'll get into that a bit more.
1: Shall we get into that now? I mean, that sounds interesting, and okay. we might as well get into the review.
0: I don't want to keep going on about Dozy Dreams. Oh, oh here we go. But one of the big criticisms of Dozy Dreams from um, the sort of the, the, the broadsheet was that. Oh, when he starts screaming, it's just the juxtapositions too. And I've completely stuck up for that. Mm-hmm. It's punk rock.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There are bits on this record. I think this is. I think this is a, a good record. I don't think it's the Flaming Lips at their best. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting record. Mm-hmm. I think it flows really well and it keeps my attention throughout. Definitely, yeah. there are bits on it. Like, um, I mean, the mid section where it goes for. All for the life of the city into Fide ludum Beetle Todd. Yes, yes. Is dot. Sorry, not Todd. Dot is brilliant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is brilliant. Yep. You know, the king dies today, and the king dies today, and then it goes into this kind of melatron, like freak funk psych out. Yeah, thing.
1: that's Electric Fire, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And
0: it's 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 wicked. Yes, it's yeah. fucking wicked. Yeah, and there are bits like that that are just that are really wicked, but. So much of it feels like a kind of. Um, I don't think Twee's necessarily a thing, but they really inhabit this kind of uh, fairy tale land mm-hmm. all the way through. So.
1: It almost felt like an episode of The Magic Roundabout. Yeah, it did. It felt like listening to an episode of The Magic Roundabout with a musical accompaniment mm. by The Flaming Lips. Yeah,
0: <laughs> basically. But there's nothing about it that ever gets. At this point, it's not that dangerous for them to be doing that. It's not really no. a leap. It's, it's it's interesting, but to me, it's ceased to be groundbreaking. It ceased to be um, uh, subversive. It sort sure. of ceased to be... And that's fine. I was going
1: to say, there isn't really anyone else doing that, though, is no, there? No, there's not. But they... Maybe Primus with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, but
0: I was going to... Yeah, but I mean, you know, they've done... I mean. Um, uh, the Flaming Lips did the um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs thing with bloody, um, uh, what's his name, with Henry Rollins, didn't they? They did a thing with Henry Rollins sort of based on... I did not Dark know Side of the Moon and... Oh, like, cool. And yeah, some weird okay. thing. I can't, I can't remember what it was. Um, uh, yeah, and it was... Um, it's a similar thing. Like, Primus are a really good example because I think, again, Primus are another band where I think... Do I need to hear another Primus album, particularly? Like, mm. not really. Do you mm. know what I mean? They've well, do I need
1: just, to do? I need to hear Primus redo Charlie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No. Yeah, I mean, I went to that show, and I, <laughs> did I did you, and
0: I didn't. I didn't have a good time. To be oh honest. really? No, okay, I didn't think it was. Yeah, I, I actually felt it was sort of overly self indulgent, and there are there's a part of me that I think this is better than that, but there's part of me that thinks that this is. You know, it's got to the point with the Flaming Lips now where they have indulged themselves to the point where, um, uh, I don't know, I, I can't really, I don't want them to go, to, I want them to be a rock band. But I think there could be, there's, a, there's a, a kind of, for my own personal taste, there's a lack of edge on this record, which I would like to, yeah. I'd like to hear them get back. I don't ever think they will. Um, but it's just going to mean that, you know, I, I'm not sure I'll ever be really, really in love with another Flaming Lips album.
1: Well, I guess that's sort of it. it does feel like to me to give them a little bit of sway, it does feel like that that is what they're, uh, you know, I didn't mention I, I mentioned the magic roundabout. I mean, this feels like something that the BBC might have put on in the 60s Mm. mick jones's narration is at once comforting and somehow a little something something eerie about it um and by almost dressing it up as something that feels like a children's narrated series or Mm. you know thomas the tank engine or something like that Mm. it's almost Trumpton. <laughs> yeah. a- absolutely i mean look at what radio i've listened
0: to it, i think of mr rogers <clears throat> which i haven't even <clears throat> seen but i know that you know there's the corn song about mr rogers yeah and yeah it's yeah like that it's just a bit eerie and there is a bit of that but it, it
1: just gives it a bit of a sinister edge to it i wouldn't i mean yeah i this album isn't isn't edgy yeah. per se but there's a sinister undertone to it
0: there is and i would like to see them um i would have like i just feel like i would have liked again i to not to go back to my point regarding Dosey dreams which i know i'm obviously gonna be i i just think you know the flaming lips could have um made this records they could have made the dynamics on this record further apart from each other and that's yeah, what's cool about those Dreams is that you know the dynamics wildly swing from from second to second. Even sometimes, with it, while a piece of music is going on, it can be really beautiful and be really horrible and ugly and aggressive at the same time. And the I, dynamics, I, I do agree with that. Definitely. The dynamics in this, it just kind of it for the most part, it sort of <clears throat> is all just a bit jaunty.
1: It's a little more leveled out. Not to say that it isn't a dynamic record, because but compared to the
0: majority of
1: records that come out, it probably is quite dynamic. Mm. But yes, I understand.
0: Yeah. The breadth
1: of the dynamism on yeah. uh, Dose of Dreams is far wider.
0: And I wish it would kind of kick it. <coughs> I wish it would kick up a bit more now and again. I agree. Even, Actually. Even, in, even in Soft Bulletin, which mm-hmm. is when I listened to that and I was like, wow, this is really like, you know, barely. A, it's not really a, a rock, a quote unquote rock album. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah At yeah, that yeah. point, you're like, well, there's really hardly anything to do with Rock music here, mm. but it was still, you know, elegant and joyous. Whereas this is just a bit like, uh, and I still think is, I still like it. I feel like I'm snagging off. I actually, I quite like it. Mm. I do actually quite mm. like it. I just think it is, if you are coming to the Flaming Lips new, th- this is not the you record. You just go to the soft
1: bulletin, don't you? Basically, yeah. this yeah. is not the record. And if you're
0: somebody who thinks, oh, I don't really want the kind of two <coughs> sort of. Um, elegant stuff. Then you know, I think transmissions from the satellite heart and actually Clouds taste Metallic, which is a, that was the first mm-hmm. one I heard. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why I'm saying that. I think those two are brilliant, mm-hmm. and they're a, they're a, you know they're a great band. And I listened to this and I thought, who like you say, who else could sound like this? No yeah. one. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. There's, it is unique. There's plenty to enjoy about it. I mean, I think there is plenty, plenty to enjoy about it. It feels like I've just given it a bit of a kicking, which is weird because when I sat down to actually talk about it i was like i like this record but now i'm kind of i'm comparing it i think i'm comparing it to their entire back catalog. yeah
1: yeah well i'm i'm not able to do that as much and and i have to say you know i do think this is a really brave interesting record especially for a band's 15th album i mean Mm -hmm. how many 15th records are this uh interesting and experimental you know to say Mm -hmm. the least I suppose you'd expect that from the Flaming Lips now, but you know that's still that's still something to be applauded. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's the greatest place to start, but I don't think it's an awful place to start either. Bearing in mind, this is only the third Flaming Lips record I've heard mm. in full, yeah. Um, and and I did I did really like it. It felt like. <laughs> It felt like a completely different listening experience every time I put it on, Yeah, I have to say. It's Um, one of those
0: ones that's better on headphones as well. Definitely
1: agree with that. It was very hard to get to grips with it, Mm. as Flaming Lips records probably are going to be. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And considering, what, it's a 41-minute running time, Mm. it feels like it fits
0: a hell of a lot into that. It feels longer than 41 minutes to me. It
1: does, actually. Not in a bad way, necessarily. no, no, not
0: necessarily in a bad way, no.
1: But it just feels fuller and it's like, how can you cram all of that into 41 Mm. minutes? Fucking Mm. hell. I
0: mean, they're very, very good at doing (coughs) that. And their songs, you know, their songs that last kind of three and a half minutes, like a normal pop song, which do feel longer than that because they take a long time to get going. Uh They take a long time to kind of fade out. Uh Uh, A lot of stuff happens in the middle of it. It, You know, there are a lot of different parts and you know, there's no, Lack of, um, of 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 stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. I mean? Like mm-hmm. even when it's quiet, yep Loads. There's of lots going on. Loads of different things are happening. Yeah, and definitely. it does feel like it doesn't really feel like a band. This album, no. I think that's maybe. I think. I think that's maybe what I'm not dislike about it because I don't think if I'm being perfectly honest. The Flaming Lips have been more than just a band for quite a long mm. time now. I mean, mm. They did a show in at the Forum, the Kentish Sound Forum in London, which holds about 2,000 people in, nineteen. I want to say, 1997, 1998, where they got five, like 40 or 50 members of the audience to sit on stage with old-school ghetto blasters with CDs on it. And they, do, they directed them. So they, like composers, they said, point the people cool. when they had to play their parts so the whole show you weren't really what you weren't watching a flaming lips band guitars and bass yeah, yeah you're yeah. watching them directing 50 people holding boom boxes saying pause play 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 and and it would all come in and i, I mean i wasn't at the show so i don't know if it worked or if it was a, i mean but it's a you know that was the first sort of indication where you were like they not going to be just the normal yeah, yeah, yeah. alternative rock band, bands yeah, yeah. um and i think it's got to the point in their career now where they're not re- they're more of a collective they're more of just sort of wayne coin and uh well it's harsh on the other members of the band to just say it's wayne but like well but
1: i it, don't i don't know actually i read um rumors on uh enemy.com um yeah. th- supposedly this is more or less with well, this it's rumored to be a coin solo album really yeah. in all but name and kind of a a stop gap um before flaming lips release more new material later in the year mm. if this is a stopgap, it's a pretty good one <laughs> like yeah. to say the least um and you know like i say i don't think there's anyone else that quite sounds like it so no. um uh, one thing that I would say as a devil's advocate to your um, doesn't sound like a band thing. Um, I mean, something that comes up as an influence on this record multiple times is uh, Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. Does Sergeant Pepper sound like a band?
0: Um, yeah, Sergeant Pepper sounds like a band. But there's, a, you know, but again, so Sergeant Pepper, just a day in life, mm-hmm. the life. I think the dynamics my of... a Beatles song, That well, It's a great song. Great song. I mean, just the dynamics of that alone. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah is more dynamic than this entire album in terms of yeah it I is agree. like i think yeah, it, i think yeah. it really really is yeah. and i think you know when you you go through the, tra- the track the tracklist in that album like it's it does sound like a band because it's it's so in, you know in some cases it's so vast but in other cases you know those songs are kind of a, a fairly straight ahead rock song
1: that it always feels like there's a skeletal underpinning with the songs in Sgt Pepper's yeah. whereas with this flaming lips record whilst obviously i don't know it inside and out as well as i know sergeant pepper sometimes i failed to
0: grasp where the skeletal basic song was mm. so yeah it feels like a musical movement rather than mm. than a band playing songs yeah i can, I can see that, on. i think yeah and that's not necess- you know. And that's not a bad thing. If she does a shit while we're recording, that fucking cat, I'm gonna have her put down. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> I think that thud you just heard was uh, Bonjour poo. having a shit. Yeah. yeah. For fuck's sake, that's that is the the worst review of this out. <laughs> <laughs> The most telling <laughs> review of the new Flame and Lips album. It's absolutely not shit. I mean, it's this not is a, shit. This is a good album, actually. Bonjour um, has no taste at all. No, no, she doesn't. She likes, uh, she likes Papa Roach. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, I was trying to think of what the cats eat. She likes the birds. Um, and Danger Mouse. Aye. Oh, no, it's very good. Rubbish. Very good. No, it was rubbish. Don't, um... Sorry. But, you know, it's it's a good album, this. It's a good yeah. album. It's a really interesting album. Uh, there are better Flaming Lips albums. Yes, I'm sure there are. Yes, yes. But you know, but they're um they're a very very interesting, fascinating band, and uh, you know you should definitely go back and check out their back. If you if you are one of those people who have just gone, I've heard the name and I don't know anything about them, there is plenty of plenty and plenty hours and hours of stuff for you to listen to. Oh god, yeah. Um, but from the Flaming Lips, which are which is just great. So anyway, um, it's actually not out for a little while.
1: Oh yes, that's the other thing we should say. So we mentioned this last week, but it came out. Four thousand copies were put on uh, gold vinyl for yeah. Record Store Day, Quite nice, which right? was two weeks ago. Yeah, um, and uh, so there are copies floating about, although they may have all been purchased by now. I don't know. Um, it's
0: not floating it, about around right here, mate. It's Staying where it is. That's okay. for damn sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um but uh uh it's it gets an official release in july july
0: yeah but we've got it so we can people other people are reviewing it so we'll review it so so so. we're reviewing it but yeah decent i mean if you want to i'll tell you what if you want to wait because obviously you're probably not going to get a chance to hear it because i very much doubt if you're not someone who's in on the flaming lips already and even (laughs) if you are you probably will struggle to get hold of it unless it's for quite a lot of money uh at this point um you have got a back catalogue to go back and delve into, and then well, come yeah, back to, yeah, come back to this in July. Yeah, listen,
1: listen to, to the, the soft in bulletin in preparation. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, we could, we we probably won't because we'll probably be very busy in July. But we could probably come back to this album in July, and yeah. I might have a totally different opinion on yeah, it. Yeah, I would. Um, so. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, yeah, very good. Like, I I I really enjoyed this record. I thought yeah, it was it's decent. cool.
0: It is cool. It's just um, they can. I've said it already. There's, there is better Flaming Lips records out yeah. there. Yeah. But this is still a very good one. Uh, but anyway, there you go. That is King's Mouth by The Flaming Lips, which is out now if you can find it. Um, <laughs> but actually, it'll be out in July, to be fair. Uh, right, next album is from The Damn Things. It's called High Crimes. Nine years after Ironiclast, one of the best side project albums ever. Oh. Ever. Um, the fallout boy at the, dri- not at the drive-in every time i die anthrax and now alkaline trio mm. featuring band are back keith buckley um scott ian from anthrax yep uh, and two of the geezers from fallout boy <laughs> andy what's, the, his the and from, what's his face two you don't know yeah the two you don't know from fallout boy um uh mate i i loved run
1: I liked it a lot. I'm a little bit surprised by your proclamation of it being. What did you say? The best? the best
0: side project band. You're
1: Never. not saying ever. You're saying one of.
0: No, nope, I'm saying ever. The the, the definitive best one. Yeah. Down. That doesn't count. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't thought of it. <laughs> it doesn't anymore. It can't count now. It's feeling a little bit. But not now.
1: Band. But it very much started as. Side project supergroup type right, of thing. This
0: dec- of this deck of this, of this millennia. Led Zeppelin. <laughs> You're Definitely not having Led Zeppelin. <laughs> um, <laughs> they used to be the New yard Yardbirds. <laughs> they're not a fucking super. They're not a side project, are they? Led Zeppelin. <laughs> you think fucking Jimmy Page is all he ever does? He still does. They split up thirty, forty years ago, and he's still bloody. Oh, Led Zeppelin, remaster it again. <laughs>
1: Uh, impeccable jimmy page impression there
0: yeah um oh i don't know uh but definitely for this millennium i'm going with a damn it's thing.
1: bloody good i mean i'm not arguing with the general point mm-hmm. i i i i feel definitive is a bit much but it's
0: fucking great this album I well, sorry ironicalist is the it's the shit <laughs> like it's the shit that it's album. very good it's yeah. fucking if you like i mean. The idea of Anthrax riffs, a bit of kind of pop nouse uh-huh. from the Fallout Boy. Definitely, chats, The yeah. two ones who don't make your skin crawl from Fallout <laughs> Boy, because I don't know about them. Like it's the drummer and the the other uh, guitarist, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So it's not Patrick Stump. who's just a cloying, asshole voice, and it's not the f- <laughs> it's not the fucking. Pete big one. Mm. would just get us in the like. You're the bass player, mate. You're not the fucking front man. <laughs> Sit down. Just play the bass. Uh, yeah, so like neither of them 2 we, <laughs> Yeah, we're
1: reviewing the damn things here, not Fallout yeah, yeah, Boy. Yeah, off all yeah, that
0: yeah. Point. Oh, it's just so nice <laughs> um, to slag him off. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, so that idea with the addition of the vocals of one of the one of the great vocalists of his generation, Keith Buckley, who is not only a great lyricist um is got a fucking great singing voice which oh, he God, doesn't yeah. get to show off as much in every time i die there's no. been snippets of it yeah in every time i die but he actually he's got a really good Brilliant. singing voice he's got Brilliant a fucking vocals. such a great ear for melody he pins a great hook and i just thought i a class was it was exactly what you wanted it to be it was
1: i, I thought it was surprisingly good because when I first heard that members of Fallout Boy and every time I die and anthrax were working together, I couldn't yeah, really weird, figure what the hell that was gonna be in my head. And then when it came out, it was like, oh, this is fucking awesome. Just kind of like a an ode to sort of classic rock, but done in a really modern, brilliant way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess. Exactly that. Um, and High Crimes.
0: Yeah, should we is talk about that? That's what we were reviewing. We yeah, <laughs> I'm just, I'm
1: just. He's going to say it. High Crimes is like brilliant, also as good. Yeah, more or less. It's I think just, it's as good. Yeah. Uh, it does. It is weird, like putting on the first. What's the first song again? First song's called Cri- Cells. Cells. Like putting on that song, it has been. It's been. Did you say nine years? It's been eight or nine years since nine years, the, first the
0: first album.
1: 2010, the first album. Okay, off. so it's been nine years. Um, it did feel like that they hadn't been away it was just instant yeah. like, right. I'm back in, I'm loving this. Um, the, again, we said this about the flaming lips record, which is 41 minutes and, uh, feels very lengthy. Mm. This album's 38 minutes, yeah, but feels really long for exactly the same reasons. There's so much in it. I'm mm. like, it, it, it <laughs> you look at the track list, you look at the time and it's like, how on earth have they fed all of that into 38 minutes? Um, and it just goes to so many different places. I, I, I love this record. And the melody of Keith Buckley is just fucking astonishing. Yeah. yeah like yeah. he is such a brilliant, brilliant
0: front man. It's a swagger. It's cool. Like this record's just, the damn things are just fucking cool, man. Yeah. I mean, Scott Ian has got a, has got a great guitar tone. You know, I think I've been pretty, um, pretty, you know, uh, dismissive of the last couple of anthrax records. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, but Scott Ian's guitar tone... Oh, that was awesome. always crunches mm-hmm. and cracks mm-hmm. and like thumps and thuds all over in, in the right places. And, you know, in a in a place where he's got, you know, for, he's got a decent vocalist. Like, well, not even a D, He's got a great vocalist. As yes. Opposed to like a squalling banshee that you normally <laughs> have to work with in anthrax. Um, and, <laughs> fucking Belladonna. I am slagging off Belladonna. The members who aren't, uh, the other band, I'm going to slag off someone from Every Time I Die in a minute. Jordan <laughs> Buckley's tosser, isn't he? Uh, but yeah, but, it's kind of the best parts of, of all of those bands in a lot of ways. Yes. You know? I mean, it feels ridiculous to say the best part of every time I die because every part of every time I die is the yeah. best part of every yeah. time I die. Um, and with Dan Angiano from Alkaline Trio added in on bass, it's not the best part of Alkaline Trio. But for those <laughs> for, for the other two, it is. Um, you know, great guitar riffs and a uh, kind of... A, a, it's not even pop punk, is it? It's kind of... Um, Chunky modern rock uh, swag swagger yeah. that those guys bring from Fallout Boy and you know yeah. they do a fucking pretty pretty decent job of it but but Buckley's the star man oh he always is Buckley's yeah. the star on fucking man. everything he's like on. if you listen to this more than once this record and um, an hour after it finishes on the second listen you aren't going fucking why e l l Oh, yeah. my friends are going to hell. Then I will be stunned because I mean, that is just so fucking catchy.
1: That's a really telling moment, actually, because um, uh, that song is called something, something Good. Something Good. And when that first came on, so it's a cheerleader charm, which Hand starts. And yeah, yeah, which starts the song. It's been done before, um, but you know, more often than not, if you do something like that, unless you do it extraordinarily well face no more for example mm-hmm. it's going to sort of grate on me yeah. and when it came in i was like oh no is, are <laughs> they going to fuck it up and by the time it gets around to the chorus you're like nope they haven't fucked up because the it, the song's just so good it just it can't even if it does grate on you for a microsecond it's not going to grate on you for long this record because something amazing is just around the corner yeah um were you surprised about this album coming out uh, what, it just existed? When it, when it was an, uh, an out when you heard about it.
0: Yeah, I was actually. I, thought yeah, I was probably well. wouldn't ever hear anything from the damn things again because normally when you, normally side projects like this, they either they either happen and they come together and then they're sort of around for, you know, forever. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head now and I can't, but um, but um they're usually stone about... Sour. Stone Sour, yeah, Stone Sour. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, they're either there Sort of lurking around in the background forever, or they do one album and they disappear. Yeah. And I think there's um you know, Boxcar Racer, a similar one where I mm-hmm. thought it might be an album. Like Bo- so I love that Boxcar Racer album, which again, you know, two guys from Blink on eighty two can't think of anything worse than yeah, 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 music yeah. made by people, but who are in blink 182 (laughs) um but that amazingly is is actually a really really great 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 record but i thought it might just be one of those ones you know you get eight nine years down the line and everyone else is doing stuff you know fallout boy reformed yeah i think fallout boy were either split up i think they're on hiatus hiatus when when damn things started yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah so um you know they're back now and um and anthrax still don't do loads but they yeah. you know they're playing bloodstock this year and, yeah. and obviously Keith Buckley's always doing stuff with every time I die. So you I thought maybe we'd just seen that was it. That was it end yeah. of damn things.
1: I was very surprised I like pleasantly so but I was very surprised I got wind of this record um back in back in January. Um and um I was just like the damn things releasing a new album. What? Yeah. What? Um, and at first I flitted past it cause it looked like, like some name of some cock rock, like throwback. Um, but then I was like, Oh no, no, you mean the damned things as in the super group. That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And it's so, it's so nice to hear this album and it live up to its predecessor. I think, um, I think I like it as much as I like our I do too. Yeah, I
0: do. I mean, songs like, Storm Charmer, which is nearly six minutes long. Yeah. Is uh, that's a different thing to anything that they did they did on the previous record. Yes. Um it's almost doomy, but it's still got like just a fucking it's got choruses on every song's got a chorus. Yeah. The thing is, there's nothing particularly unique. Like you say, when you put in hand claps and cheerleader chants yeah, and, it's big been done before. and rock songs and hooks and there's, there's nothing Original about this record? No, at no, all. no, there's nothing kind of groundbreaking about the damn things. They haven't got together and gone, "How can we, you know, push forward the idea of?" They they, they clearly do this for fun. Oh they yeah, clearly yeah, yeah. do this to just go. We all want to like Scott Ian, likes writing riffs. Yeah, the guys from Fallout Boy want to do something which is a bit heavier, probably. Yeah. Keith Buckley wants to not have to, you know, throw his body around and and scream his lungs hoarse for you know an hour when he performs live sometimes yeah and that's why they do it but so it's it's all and it's all well and good you know that is the kind of the 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 side project way a lot of the time isn't Mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. we do this because it's fun and you know if you like it great if you don't who cares and half the time you're like well yeah you know good for you but it's not great whereas this is actually like fucking hell i wouldn't be that annoyed if Amphrax split up and he did I would be annoyed if every time I die split up
1: I was gonna the, the the real loser would be every time I die yeah but um would you
0: take a world without fallout boy uh would you take a world without every time I die for a world where there's no fallout boy no because no. fallout
1: fallout Boy don't annoy me anywhere near as much as they annoy you <laughs> so.
0: and they don't really annoy. I mean he annoy Pete Wentz annoys me
1: Pete Wentz annoys me a bit. Um, I I like the first... Like, when Fallout Boy... Uh, yeah, yeah. Fallout Boy pre-hiatus, uh, pre-initial hiatus, I actually quite like. I like the
0: first three records. They're decent. I actually don't mind some of their singles. I think it's yeah. just like now they're terrible. But anyway, why are we talking about <laughs> Fallout Boy? Stop talking about Fallout Boy. Stop about Boy. This album's brilliant. Well, I guess it's because there's nothing else to say, really. It's just um, like, this album's brilliant.
1: There are some really... Co- yeah, I, I, in the main, agree with you. There are some fucking awesome, like... Uh, invincible i want to shout out as a song i think yeah. that's a brilliant song it has an amazing thin lizzie-esque yeah that lead guitar lines lead, yeah. the dual lead guitar lines yes yeah and hearing key so really well cool. there's i was gonna say there's some like queen inflections here um they like make this uh choir of vocals almost effect which is very queen-esque yeah um and use it in carry a brick and Young Hearts, both really effectively. Um, and I really love that. And it's not sort of what you would expect from Keith Buckley necessarily. No. Um, but it's fucking awesome. Yeah. This is a, this is a just, it's one of those times where you're just like, yeah, it's just a great record. A bit like the Pop album a couple of weeks back. Yeah, it's really. You're just like, you know what? It's just another great record. Yeah, like
0: just a fucking straight down the line. Yeah. Riffs and drums and hooks and... Yeah. Rock music, yeah. It's just you know, you mentioned Queen, Thin Lizzy. I'd throw in a bit of Leonard Skinnard. I would yep. throw in, um, you know, uh, a bit of some of the heavier, but like kind of it, some of the riffs have got a bit of Black Album Metallica stomp to them as well. Like yeah. when they get a bit heavier, there's you know, there's everything about it, just is a really great version of the history of rock music done to an impeccably high standard. You know, we've mentioned, you mentioned Faith and More as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you know, touches of, of that on, on that song. Not really so much throughout the rest of it. But it is really just, you know, like let's write some really great hard rock songs. And yeah. it just works so brilliantly. It's kind of what you want side projects to be, isn't it? Yeah.
1: At the end of the day, mm-hmm. like you know you want them to be something a little bit different from what they do during the day but then something that they can obviously have fun with as well you know Mm. and that's exactly what the damned things is yeah so
0: loads of fun i mean this album is brilliant if you like rock music in any way at all i cannot for the life of me fathom that you won't adore this record
1: I think I probably agree with that. Yes. Yeah.
0: So there you go. Um, that is the brilliant new album from the Damn Things. It's called High Crimes. It is out right now, and you want to go and get yourself around the old record shop to listen to it, mate. <laughs> uh, right, last album before we get into the old uh, UK-US trade-off. Uh, it comes from a band called Lost in the Riots. The album is called Bonds. It is the third album from the London-based quartet. Um, and uh remfrey you brought this in it is remfrey core let's be perfectly honest hey. about it it's remfrey core um it is instrumental math rock yeah math core? yeah it's not quite post rock is it this
1: no again this is more along uh the sort of punkier uh edge of the post rock spectrum i'll mm. say they're in, within the spectrum of post rock without technically being a post rock band uh just
0: feel more bit more like tech post. oh okay interesting
1: interesting okay yeah yeah, i can see i can see what you're saying um they're definitely you know they can be a highly technical band at at points but i do think never at the expense of the song Mm -hmm. uh in my opinion um they are most reminiscent of bands like actually i think memory of elephants isn't too bad a shout from last week yeah but also and so i watch from afar and stuff like that so they have that far sort of harder heavier kind of you're not you're not waiting three minutes for a fucking build-up do you know what i mean it's not patience testing in that sense um yeah this is their third album they're a band i've admired for a little while it's actually been five years since their last album okay which is called move on make trails which I'm going to be honest with you, Steve, I wasn't a massive fan of. So I was just very right. happy to hear that they had come back with uh, something more kind of... This is more like it's heavier and more explosive. Move On Make Trails almost sounds like it was recorded on a Caribbean island. You know, it's quite jolly and mm. fun. Uh And I wouldn't call this a... F- I was about to say, I wouldn't call this a fun record, but it is quite fun in places.
0: Uh I, I don't know what... It- Fun isn't the thing that I mean. Memory of Elephants was fun. Uh huh. Okay. Me. Yeah. That was you wanted to dance to it. This is more viscerally uh, rewarding. Oh. Okay. Nice. Okay. I cool. think I again. I don't know if I, you've just broken me to the point where I now like this stuff. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> but I really like this. What, what is it about it? I think it's what I just said. It's got oh. it's got chug to it. Do you know who it reminds me of, actually? And this is a weird comparison because they're a band with vocals, but a band who I really like um, are Presto Oh, yeah. Oh, who yeah. have got great melodies, right? And one of the cool things about Presto is they do like wicked, really wicked, sort of quite heavy, mathy guitar parts that are very, very catchy, but then they also have these massive huge three part harmonies over the top of it and it's Vocal a very cool harmonies. mix we should probably talk about Preston Mico more more um, when something well hopefully they get something new coming out mm. they're good um, but anyway um, this reminds me of them without the vocals and it's added kind of a bit more kind of chug and a bit more grit and a bit more tech to it Yeah, they've kind of taken the, the you know they've gone like fuck off the melody and let's just hit people hard with it and again you know like when I've had this stuff before and it's. I've looked at it and I've gone, oh fuck me! It's seven minutes long. I know it's instrumental. This song's seven minutes. That's eight minutes. That's nine minutes. Whatever. You know, this is really difficult. It takes fucking hours before it starts. This one, even though there are a few songs like the first song, "I Was a Fucking Jet Engine," it's a great name again. Yeah. Um, it's nearly six minutes long. It's just it's over five and a half minutes long. It still just goes bosh straight yeah. in, yeah. kicking. That's a great intro. Yeah, I, I, I. It's a
1: brilliant start to the album, and mm. actually if that's not like the first song they play on every show they play for the next 2 years then something's wrong that's yeah. a fucking great song
0: and you know there's loads of really cool um like i say kind of te- like catchy tech bits but that actually they're not just they're obviously very technically difficult but they they're really catchy and they're quite heavy as well yeah you yeah. know like they're actually like not heavy like full blown tech death you know not, no 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 you know they're not psychoptic or anything like that but they are you know it is like it's headbanging music
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, i mean we're not talking about a metal band here but there's the rest no. is still quite chunky and
0: yeah. um thick, thick thick yeah thick like fast aggressive mm-hmm. it all feels kind of like it, it feels like they it's all an attack yes and i really like that i yeah. think you know that the the um there's not in fact there's not often where the foot doesn't like pulls off of the accelerator very seldom very,
1: very seldomly there's a couple of sorts of i would almost call them interlude tracks which have like a little bit of acoustic guitar and stuff i mean i suppose if anything that's something that i think they could improve upon in terms of i would quite like to see lost in the riots um step Not step back a bit. I'd like to see them pull back sonically and do a grander kind of um, sweeping, more orchestral sort of thing. Um, Because I think they tried to take the accelerator off a little bit on Move On Make Trails and it didn't quite work. But I still think there's something there. So for example, the very last song, which I think is just dot, 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 it's like two and a half minutes long, um, feels like the beginnings of a great idea but it's never fully explored and never fully expanded mm-hmm. um, and i feel like that is probably where they
0: need to move to next yeah maybe i think there's something to be said for for getting everything done in a shorter space of time and it feels like they get a lot done in a in a fairly short space of time and it keeps it you know, kind of kinetic and, Mm. and, um, and explosive.
1: I'm not, I'm not asking for longer songs. Um, I'm just sort of asking for more rather than, rather than, um, an interlude being the quiet bit. Why not have a quiet song and see how that works? You know, just like expand out what's the difference between an interlude and a song and working on that and working out what that is. But like, you know, that's just as a kind of big fan of, of this kind of stuff, um, and being very technical and anal about it, I think this is a great record. It's a huge improvement on the last one. Uh, their first album, "Stranger in the Alps," is also excellent. Um, and um, yeah, they're just a fantastic band.
0: I like this album a lot. It's really good. I think the last two weeks, "Memory of Elephants" and this, has made me go, "All right, I'm I'm not going to roll my eyes every time I get it's, sent one of these records because yeah. it is it. It's every week. We are not next week. We're not bloody doing another one of these because or are we we've got okay
1: there's one ep left which is from an instrumental band and then there aren't any for a while as far as i can recall i told you off mic a few weeks ago i was like look mate there's a lot of post-rock stuff coming up i just want you to
0: be aware and And i said to you i don't care we don't have to cover it you're obsessed you kind of you (laughs) you went went, (laughs) you went no we're doing it anyway (laughs) pretty much how this works <laughs> yeah. um
1: so yeah uh and
0: uh it's fine we're almost it's almost over the, yeah. the ep right. though is phenomenal okay good well but... we don't have to do it now do we um <laughs> spoiler uh yeah man, i really really like this i think it's really good and i do like you know with those two albums with this and memory of elephants back to back i think it's really really cool to see you know the um the stereotype of what this music is yes um, they smash it out of the water. They, they don't, there's, there's no, you know, you couldn't, to the sort of person who goes, that fucking boring, like minimalist, slow, mm. instrumental, post-rock, like wanky music. Well, this isn't that. This is really catchy. Well, but, this is, I, you know, this is really kind of, this makes you want to move. Yeah. yeah you a lot of that stuff. And, you know, again, same memory, memory of elephants last week. Yeah. You want to move to that
1: have been a lot of there's been a lot of backlash towards these bands being called post rock bands for that reason mm. to distinguish them and because and I, I'm I'm not strict I mean if I were being lazy I'd call them a post rock band I'm not suggesting you're being lazy I think it's just a it's a form of music which is still kind of expanding and figuring out exactly yeah. what it is well
0: I to be honest I wouldn't I, I don't really think of it as a post rock but I do no. think of them more as a kind of it's almost like tech rock. It's mm-hmm. instrumental tech rock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there are bands like.
1: Um, Would you put them in the same le- the same uh, field as Animals as Leaders? Then, for example.
0: Yeah, I mean, but I, I think they're catchier than Animals as Leaders. Yeah, I think they're I they're less you know, wanky is not the word, but Animals and Leaders are very much like, look how good I am on the guitar. And yeah. I don't feel like this is. I feel like this is just, they manage to be really, really catchy. And then you suddenly find yourself bobbing your head and you go, yeah. cool, that's a weird time signature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. that's, that's yeah. I think that if you can get that right, then you're onto a winner. And I think Absolutely. they have this. So yeah. yeah. Fantastic, re- man. Good record. That is called uh Bonds by Lost in the Riots. And it leaves us with nothing else to do for the rest of the week, apart from what I am very, very much looking forward to, Becoming a trade off, not your usual trade off, Remfrey. This
1: I thought you meant for the whole week. I was like, oh, yeah. have right, I got the week off? Amazing."
0: Yeah. Um, not your usual trade off this week, Remfrey. Sometimes Absolutely stuff not. falls uh, like per, with perfect synchronicity. So for some reason, um, thanks to the, I guess the uh, the influence of someone in my life, I felt the need to give you. Hootie and the Blowfish, um, cracked rear view mm. last week. You're just missing Steven Seagal, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. That's the American yeah, in your life. Bruce Bruce Willis. <laughs> uh, you remember when he sang on, on under the boardwalk? That was good, wasn't it? <laughs> um, and when you when I did that, I didn't know that you were going to give me Urban Hymns by the Verve. That's right. And put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. So or put it on your stereo and listen to it. What is But then what, as I kind of listened to both of these records, you know, back to back and in amongst each other and when I started thinking about them, um, you know, the main reason I picked Hooting the Blowfish is not because I, you know, I haven't listened to this record until this week. Hmm. I picked it and knowing that probably you hadn't, because I think there are many, many people from Great Britain uh, who have not listened to this record there are many people all over the world who Mm -hmm. haven't listened to hootie and the blowfish um ditto for anyone outside of the uk for the verve urban hymn urban hymns yeah they seem to be two albums uh from a very similar period that um that personify the cultural differences between the united kingdom and the united states of america in a lot of ways which at that time yeah Yeah. which i'm sure is something that we'll get into so usually Mm. what we do is We talk about one, and then we talk about the other. But because of this uh, happening this week, I think we're going to mix it up. Yes. And just do both of them together at the same time. So here's the facts before we get into our opinions about stuff. Um, No one wants to hear facts. No. (laughs) Move on. Both are listed uh, on Wikipedia as the 19th best-selling album of the country of their origin. Ah. So the Verve's Urban Hymns is the 19th best-selling album in the history of the United Kingdom. Uh, Hooting the Blowfish Crack Rear View is also, but actually, of October 2018, uh, a new list came out, um, which has now had it down as being the ninth biggest-selling album in the history of the United States of America. The only things that have sold more records than this record by Hooting the Blowfish in America are The Eagles' Greatest Hits, Michael Jackson's Thriller, Hotel California by the Eagles again, Led Zeppelin 4, Back in Black, Billy Joel's Greatest Hits, Pink Floyd's The Wall, and incredibly, (laughs) Double Live by Garth Brooks. Stupid country. Like, what the fuck? It has gone two times diamond, 21 times platinum. That is 21 million plus sales in the United States of America alone. To put that into context it has sold more than Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses, mm. Nevermind by Nirvana, mm. The Marshall Mathers LP by Eminem, Rumours by Fleetwood Mac, The Black Album by Metallica, Ten by Pearl Jam, Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen, Legend by Bob Marley, and Bat Our Hell by Meatloaf. So that is America for Hootie and a Blowfish. <laughs> America! Let's talk about its uh, impact in the United Kingdom. It peaked at number 12 in the UK charts in the United Kingdom. The album itself actually did manage to be certified gold, but even at its peak, it has never hit higher in the UK album charts than Yesterday Went Too Soon by Feeder, <laughs> Ideas Above Our Station by 100 Reasons, Kick Up the Fire and Let the Flames Break Loose by the Cooper Temple Clause, and Swagger by Gun. Right? It's highest <laughs> I've done a lot of
1: work on this. I really like its this. It's
0: highest UK chart position for the singles released from this album in the United Kingdom was 50. So Hold My Hand hit number 50. Let Her Cry reached number 75. Only Want To Be With You reached 87. Time and Drowning did not chart in the UK at all. To put that into context, The Gush by Raging Speedhorn reached number 41 in the UK (laughs) single charts. (laughs) Wow. So that's the difference between the United States and the United Kingdom for Hootie and the Blowfish. For The Verve... The Verve is uh, Urban Hymns, 19th biggest selling album in UK history, 3.34 million sales in the UK alone, 11 times platinum by United Kingdom standards. It has sold more than X by Ed Sheeran, Bat of Hell by Meatloaf, The Joshua Tree by U2, I've Been Expecting You by Robbie Williams, Ladies and Gentlemen, The Greatest Hits of George Michael, Spice by the Spice Girls, and any album, any album by Coldplay, Take That, or Blur, just to mention. Wow. Okay. Right? Wow. Uh, It won a Brit Award for the Best Album in 1998. The Verve won the Best Band as well. It was voted the 16th Best Album Ever Made by Q Magazine in 2006. In America, it peaked at number 23 in the US. Um, Bittersweet Symphony was a a, a bit of a hit um, in the US. It was on the end credits of Cruel Intentions, the film with Sarah Ah, Michelle Gellar and Reese with, with spoon uh, That got to number 12. Is
1: that with them sharing a snog? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah.
0: Um, no other song from the album charted in the US at all. Oh, really? It wow. sold a million copies, which is actually quite decent. That's okay. It went platinum in mm-hmm. the US, but going platinum and selling a million copies in the US is very different to mm-hmm. selling a million copies in the UK. Oh, yeah. Um, and none of the other songs from the album, Lucky Man. Drugs um, Don't Work. Drugs Don't Work. Sonnet. N- none of them charted in the us mm. so what we've got here in are two albums which like i say basically personify totally and utterly personify a time in a country i cannot imagine walking down the street and bumping into someone who who's british and going name a Verve song and them going who
1: uh no i can't either i can't
0: imagine they wouldn't have heard bittersweet symphony or lucky no, Night or drugs don't work i i just can't imagine that that would happen um but i mean
1: particularly bittersweet symphony Yeah, particularly Bitter like Sweet symphony. that is that has just been used as an anthem i was curious to know actually how well bittersweet symphony had done in america because yeah. it's so kind of i mean of course that orchestral riff is actually written by mick jagger well, they're credited. They yes. are credited
0: on the uh, on, on the, the album. On the album, yes. Yeah, yeah, as,
1: yeah. As songwriters of that song, uh, which is kind of they need the money, don't they? They three. need the money. <laughs> um, but it's kind of mad, really, to think that that was co-written by the Rolling Stones. Mm.
0: Um, massive tune. What do you? What do you like? What do you think? What do you think of Bit Sweet Symphony? Bit Sweet Symphony was so when I went to listen to this album at first, just for time purposes. I skipped it. I didn't. I started from track Mm -hmm. two. Fair enough. Yeah. Right. Because I thought, well, I need to listen to it. And I, I, you know, I will talk about obviously how the verbs split up and how they came back together. And, you know, so um, they split up after a Northern Soul, which was their 1995 record, um, and then got back together almost immediately um, to record this album. Now, I think Richard Ashcroft put the band back together initially without Nick McCabe. Mm. who I know you rate very highly as mm. a guitarist, mm. yeah. um, he thought that you couldn't be The Verve without Nick McCabe's um, very unique guitar sound and style. I so, disagree with that. Um, so he brought Nick McCabe back and a few of the songs, I believe before they split up, they had started playing... Um, I think they started playing The Drugs Don't Work live and then split up and then got back and then they... Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so The Verve essentially you know from the reason I, I hadn't really heard of the verb because at the height of Britpop, 1996 as nebworth you know yes. that's the height of Britpop. pop that is the absolute you know the the entire country are in lieu mm-hmm. to oasis and pulp and and blur and all of those bands the Verve weren't a band at that point they weren't even around so i feel like they kind of um the in, they were on hiatus they were on hiatus yeah. yeah so the kind of the initial and you know a northern soul was not a big was not a big record for them
1: it ridiculous. was certainly very critically lauded, but but in comparison to Urban Hymns, no. Yeah, no. and
0: I don't think commercially it did that well.
1: Uh, I I don't think so, no. no. I think you're
0: right. So, you know, while the rest of the world were talking about, the rest of Britain was talking about Oasis and Suede mm. and, uh, you know, Supergrass and those sort of bands, the Verve weren't there. And I think because of that, they're never really thought of as one of the kind of ground zero Britpop acts they're not one of the first bands that go to your head when you think about the Britpop boom
1: yeah and yet I mean some some people may even consider them sort of like a one album hit wonder almost Mm. but you know the Verve um their debut album was 93 I want to say Storm in Heaven Mm -hmm. and like they'd formed like late 80s early 90s kind of thing so they were definitely and certainly I mean um some mates oh is it no it's cast no shadow cast no shadow on what's the story morning glory Mm. is dedicated to richard ashcroft right um so there was an awful lot of respect for the verve from a lot of those bands Mm -hmm.
0: a band's band a band's band i remember actually sorry to cut in from that Paul McGregor, the former Nottingham Forest and Plymouth Argyle Mm centre-forward, was in the 90s known as the kind of the indie footballer. Right, He always said The Verve is his favourite band. And the first time I ever heard the name The Verve was Paul McGregor for not before has been interviewed in Shoot Magazine uh, <laughs> talking about how much he liked indie music and he was saying how much he liked, you know, like The Long Pigs and Supergrass and the... And he was going, but the verve are the best, the verve are the best. And this is before, mm. way before uh, Urban Hymns came out. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, back to Bittersweet Symphony. Mm. I skipped it the first time around. I thought, I've heard that before. Listen to the record and... Um, and I had listened to this record before, but because it came out in 1997 and that was a time where I was going way, way deep on, you know, new metal and, mm-hmm. and starting to like get into hardcore as well. I wasn't really interested. And
1: was 99 7 the last time you heard this album before
0: this week? No, it probably would have been a bit later. Uh, you know, people at college would have played it, mm-hmm. but I don't, I, you know, and, and some of it did come back to me as I was listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of omnipresent but on the radio. Yeah. And like, you you know, I obviously know the big, big, big songs. Yeah. Um. And I listened through and I thought, you know, what a good record. What an interesting record. And what a, what brilliantly picked singles. Because if they'd have picked the wrong singles on that album, they'd oh, have been yeah. fucked. <laughs> they yes. have been talking about this record. we would be talking about <laughs> it being, you know, selling more than Dido. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, so I went back to it. And then the next time I listened to it, I was like, well, I should listen to it in full with Bittersweet Symphony as well bittersweet symphony is one of those songs that is obviously you know you get songs that are hugely overplayed like i think i've said it before yeah. i never ever ever want to hear sweet child of mine ever again mm-hmm. i just don't mm-hmm. ever want to hear that song bittersweet symphony still sounds fucking incredible to it me. really
1: does doesn't it like i i think it is like those songs we were talking about it with like smells like teen spirit or whatever like if you don't listen to them for a year like at all and then put them back on the power of them does hit you again um it almost um i don't think bittersweet symphony is the best song on the album but it stands apart from the rest of the record so much that it almost feels like a different it's i find it really going from bittersweet symphony going into sonnet it's Mm. just such a it's a it's a bit of a weird change but then i feel like going from bittersweet symphony into any other song would just nothing else on the
0: record sounds like it no no, not at all and in fact i think the first i want to say maybe the first six songs back to back sound it just goes all over it goes left to right to left to right yeah 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 it doesn't sit still i always had it down as being you know this kind of dour downbeat you know quite melodic you know very melodic sort of achingly melodic very dour very slow uh, album but it's actually you know
1: what you would think of when you listen to the drugs don't
0: work yeah that's kind of i was always like well that's what that album that's what it is like. yeah. but, it's, but it's not at all i mean I think no. the, the rolling people is seven minutes long it's this brilliant like rolling you know kind of 1960s psychedelic throbbing bass like well, i think it's quite fucking i think cool it's song. quite shoegazy as well yeah, i is, think that's yeah. the
1: nick McCabin's influence but yeah mm-hmm. i think a lot of the effects that he used there were just like lots of different delays and all sorts of things that would become associated well that had become associated with Shoe shoegaze and i think he was a vital well th- the verve the verve is richard ashcroft with nick mccabe and yeah. uh the verve not the verve is richard ashcroft
0: on his own so, yeah. so essentially yeah. You know. yeah essentially that is true um so you know i've i've very very much enjoyed this record mm. obviously i think you know it's Like I say, listening back to, you know, it's the same listening back to Sonnet, listening back to Lucky Man, listening back to Drugs Don't Work. You are struck, like, you know, the, the ones that you know inside and out, you are struck by, if you haven't listened to them for a long time, you're struck by how great they are and how well they've aged. And I think the other songs on it, you know, particularly i think you know i obviously I, I mentioned the rolling people catching the butterflies another one it's mm-hmm. great space and time is, is space and time is wonderful weeping yeah. willow weeping willow is great i mean it's i i think it's a little bit long
1: yes i agree and i it think maybe
0: long. you know um this time and come on i could have yes. done yes
1: yeah come on is too long it's come on, like it's eight long. minutes yeah. long mm-hmm um i would have liked to have kept this time but yeah i mean i would have taken a couple of tracks off it's 13 tracks it's around the 70 minute mark yeah um
0: it's definitely too long it's it's certainly too long um should be an hour tops yeah but overall a really good album yeah i agree like a really good album which i think it does you know you can it's got the feel of a classic album about it
1: yeah i i i return to this album semi-often and um I'm never quite sure if it's nostalgia that makes me love it or if it is just a great album, which is part of the reason I wanted to bring it in, because I was mm. curious about your opinion. You know, so it's really nice to hear that you think that it is genuinely a classic album and it's not just the singles. Yeah. Um, my, Most of the, probably bar Lucky Man, which I, which oh, probably is my favourite song on the record. Is it? I, I don't know why. I just love that melody. I love that song. Um, I think, yeah It's, it's a
0: brilliant song And yeah, that bit where it's, it's I, I mean, I always sort of Take the piss out of the The, the way he rolls out It's just a scene in me Something <laughs> <and laughs> yeah, in like, my Yeah, yeah, yeah That is such a brilliant Little catchy uh, It's just fucking well, it's So cool going from
1: that quick You know, it's just a Remedy something in my Oh, my, my
0: yeah,
1: Like, elongating that as well And like, it's It's really Clever uh deceptively simple songwriting yeah um but you know space and time and weeping willow and catching the butterfly would be the tracks that i think of as verve songs yeah and if you've not
0: yeah the 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 singles are are very like i say like the perfectly picked singles because it's different aren't they
1: the singles do not sound if you're a hardcore verve fan the singles do not sound like the verve Mm. at all Mm. um if you go back to storm in heaven or a northern hymn uh both those records are very psychedelic awash with uh uh reverb and strange digital delays and stuff like that and that's what the majority of this album is it's just that the majority of people well i say the majority of people didn't hear it it's the ninth biggest selling album in the uk so a lot of people did hear it but i think the majority of people who were buying this album for bittersweet symphony yeah and the drugs don't work Definitely. would have probably had quite a rude awakening almost yeah well um,
0: just to add to the kind of perfect storm of urban hymns i don't know if you knew this but drugs don't work Mm. which actually i I wouldn't say it's one of the weakest moments i think it's a great song Mm -hmm. it's a great song um but i don't it's not one of my highlights of the record it's It's a good song it's
1: one of my least favorite moments of the record if i'm honest
0: it came out it was released on a single the week that princess diana died oh and lots of tv montages and uh you know kind of news reports and used that we're we're using that song and it uh, you know it uh by you know i don't physically remember this myself but you can see how that would you know quote unquote i can't believe i'm going to say this capture the imagination of the nation I've done the quotation marks and that because those oh are the sort of God. songs, you know, stop crying your eyes out by Oasis. Mm-hmm. It came out the week or a couple of weeks before England got knocked out of the World Cup by mm-hmm. Brazil and I just remember being like, well, you know, that's going to be number 1 again. Now. Mm-hmm. And at a time when something like that happens, you get a song like, you know, this very kind of melancholic uh dour sad song.
1: Yeah. And um to and soundtrack it fits the mood, to sa- yeah, to soundtrack a very dour sad time yeah. and yeah no absolutely that totally makes
0: sense so I think most people would know in this country Bittersweet Symphony Drugs Don't Work probably Lucky Man as well I think most people you speak to Man on the Street 75% of them would know those songs yep Yep. you go to America Mm. the idea that you go to America by all accounts and someone wouldn't know Let Her Cry or Only Want to Be With You um, or Hold My Hand from Crack Rear View Mm. By all accounts, like I'm speaking from <laughs> my sources. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal told me, "When have you heard... Um, you must know that song. And I was like, nope, you must know that song. I, was like, I couldn't tell you a single moment of music from the entire career of Hootie and the Blowfish. You made him
1: very angry, didn't you?
0: He <laughs> karate <laughs> chopped <laughs> my neck. <laughs> 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 um, and... Uh, and that, by all accounts, is insanity. You know, is 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 bizarre mm. that this didn't translate. So, Remfrey, hello. Uh, let's just get into. We've we've talked about the actual content of the Verbs' Urban Hymns. We should probably talk about the contact uh, content of Cracked Rearview by Hootie and the Blowfish. I'm long. new to this. Um, yes, as am I. Actually, I'm I useless. have it, over the years found myself liking counting crows and that's about as far as i go in terms of this stuff first two counting crows records are fucking great really great yeah yeah. i don't go much further than that
1: but the first two are brilliant Uh,
0: and and you know to me hooting and blowfish were always a bit like um a lot of these other bands that didn't make a fucking splat dave matthews band goo goo dolls uh the calling um matchbox 20 you know matchbox mm, uh, 20 fish God. yeah like i they just didn't mean anything over here they didn't fit the mood of the nation at all I think no we'll probably talk about that more mm. so going in on it 25 years later with with fresh ears or brand new ears in a lot of ways um what are your thoughts on cracked rear view do you understand what's going on here or over there um i heard
1: this record and for the first time a few days ago and could hear that popular mid-90s american post 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 grunge sound and it reminded me of a lot of bands a lot of bands who would have been in my periphery at the time because actually we should i should point this out i absolutely if i had discovered this album around the time that it came out yeah, I more than likely would have been a massive fan of it. Really? Okay. More than likely, because bear in mind, it came out when I was nine. And uh, I had Pearl Jam albums, but I was trying to kind of like find another band who were a bit like Pearl Jam, but not quite. And when you're... Oh, here we are. <laughs> well, when you're younger, you're not looking for as, you know, nine years old. You're not looking for things authenticity yeah you might know full well like so for example i bought a live album around this yeah, time they're another one throwing copper yeah mm-hmm. and i'd put it on i'd be like well i can kind of tell it's not as good as pearl jam but i can enjoy it as much because i'm not a cynical music mm-hmm. journalist <laughs> i'm mm-hmm. nine year old you yeah. know what i mean um so yeah if i would bought this album rather than throwing copper <laughs> it could be uh could be one of these songs that i have permanently fixed on my head rather than shit Town, um or uh what was the massive one on that album? i alone i alone fucking hell um but there's very much that kind of eddie vedder y'all thing
0: eddie vedder sh- i don't know how i mean eddie vedder does not need the money i'm sure he deserves it <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah well this is three years there after is ten. no yeah There Came is the the influence of Eddie Vedder's vocal style on all of those bands yeah. is is sh- is shameful.
1: Yeah, it really is.
0: It is Im- it's 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 embarrassing at some points. How much he's... how how. Desperate, he sounds, to ape Eddie Vedder.
1: Particularly around this time. I mean, Candlebox are constantly brought up as the ones who do it badly. Creed did it really badly. Please, God, let's not get into talking about Creed. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking
0: hell. Um, But, yeah, I mean, obviously, Scott Stapp got... Like, was the whipping boy of uh, the the Vedder, Yarl. Yeah. He really, like, hammed it up. But Darius Rucker, like... (sighs) He's got no personality of his own.
1: No, none at all. I noticed... um, I didn't realise this, but Hootie and the Blowfish actually started in 1986. Mm. I'd be really curious to know if there are any recordings. Yeah, 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 Mm. pre-1991. Because I kind of suspect that every single vocal tick and vocal... Um, manner of delivery
0: is pretty much just ripped off Eddie Vedder, more oh, or less. It, it's another one. And the thing is, right, I mean, it sounds like I'm about to give it this massive kick in. And to be honest with you, I went into it going, oh, God, I, I don't like these bands. Mm-hmm. I don't like Matchbox 20. I don't like the fuck what I've heard of it. I just I don't like the sound. I don't, you know, and I, I, I don't like the fact that what I don't like about it is the the fact that this is a, this is the shell of what a band like Pearl Jam or, you know, Soundgarden or one of the kind of the cool alternative rock bands, one of the really kind of um, expressive and brilliant, uh, original, passionate alternative rock bands from who came from the underground music scene. It feels like there is a shell. Yes. Of, of that. There yes. is a way of looking at that. Um in a very, very superficial manner. Yeah, and this so is the bo-
1: this is the body of the car without yes. any of I mean, its th- but internal components. It. Now, yeah.
0: someone like um, Adam Duritz from Counting Crows mm-hmm. brings that sh- can can kind of can fill that shell. Yes, Adam Duritz
1: is very much doing his own thing. Whether yeah. you like I mean, it or not, he doesn't
0: actually sound like Vedder at all, really. No, does he, no, 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 no. Whereas I listened to this and I just thought. What this is, is you've heard Jeremy and you've gone, there's got to be a way. Like, everyone loves this. It's won loads of Grammys. It's won loads of MTV Awards. It's the biggest fucking song around. There's got to be a way to do this, but to sell it to people in the Deep South, you know. Mm, there's yeah. got to be a way to sell it to people who don't really want to hear about a song about a kid getting murdered mm. and shoot, or shooting up his classmates. Who, this violent, kind of, quite, you know, aggressive, difficult... Edgy sounding, oh, you know, very very um controversial song. I don't want that. What I want is let her cry. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And there's got to be a way that we can add a little. Garth Brooks is massive. If we take Eddie Vedder's voice and we take it, give it a, just a little tiny bit of country twang, yeah, and we never go too heavy. Yeah. and we make it and we make it nice and shiny, and we can get mentioned on Friends then you'll <laughs> sell 21 million records. Wow. And there's very, a level, very middle
1: of the road is yeah, exactly what, what you're There's a level of describing. cynicism
0: in this, which I feel quite uncomfortable with. But that's not to say that it is a badly made record. You know, I think the first three songs are actually, Hannah Jane, Hold My Hand and Let Her Cry are actually all really good. Let Her Cry
1: almost, almost rung an emotional note out of Did me yeah, okay. almost yeah. not quite it was the only song to even get close to touching me in any way shape or form yeah okay um
0: i mean there's some bits on it like and i mean only want to be with you is a big hit but i think it's rubbish running from an angel when you're getting those like that is so unbelievably trite mm-hmm. um and it felt so false to me yep do you know what i mean I, Yep but then you know by the end there's a few bits the last few songs i thought were kind of all right again it's too long i was really i was really
1: done with it by the end i have to say like to the point where i would really look away's good i'd I'd zoned out by track there's a 12 track album i'd zoned out by track nine Mm. like the the three times i played it every time i was like oh i'm zoning out now but you say it's too long yeah it is but this album's 46 minutes urban hymns is too long but it's 70 (laughs) you know um and actually i would wager that this album feels longer than the verve album personally yeah yeah. it just goes on and on and it doesn't really change all that much and it's just uh, like i will say this i mean if i i i don't think i had heard these songs before before this week and I did find that they became very catchy very quickly. Mm. Like I could pretty much remember how the chorus went by the time it came around for the second time. Mm. And there is something in that. But I do think, especially around this time, a lot of people mistook that for great songwriting. Yeah. And writing a memorable hook is one part of great songwriting. It's mm. not like the whole thing. No, 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 no. Um, and yeah i i don't know i just middle of the road i mean middle of the road is the best way to describe this record it's so
0: mor i want to say something positive about it and this is what i'm going to say about it that i think is positive although i don't necessarily believe um what he's singing particularly darius rucker is a black man Mm
1: -hmm.
0: singing southern rock music um to a uh dominantly kind of white um blue collar audience mm-hmm. he's now become a very very successful country singer again i don't want to kind of make any kind of assumptions i don't want to cast any exp- ex- ex- excursions that's not a word is it? aspirate Asp- aspersions. aspersions yeah sorry i don't want to cast any aspersions but there is a um there is quite a, there's there's quite a nasty stereotype that exists around those kind of people, the sort of people that you would assume would listen to that type of music. In some cases,
1: I think there's I think it's okay to say there's a relatively strong right wing bias in yeah. Southern and Middle America. I mm. think that's
0: fair. So I kind of admire Darius Rucker as a person of color mm. going into that world and becoming the most successful person. Yeah yeah like that's a kind of that's a that's either that means either there's a beautiful irony about that and mm. that's great and that's hooray or we've all completely misrepresented those people yes so I think that's good I think Mm. that needs to be said Mm. that that is Mm -hmm. that is definitely a positive thing that's a very good point Um, you know so 21 million inbreds can't be wrong right (laughs) 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 um I mean, now so we've spoken about the albums. Uh, which one's better, than the two of them? Well, which one's better, the Verve or him?
1: Yeah, obviously. Um, I w- I'll, I'll say one positive thing for Hootie and the Blowfish. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, and I remember thinking this at the time, not specifically related to Hootie and the Blowfish, but just related to American music in general. Yeah. I would have taken this being popular over what we had in the UK at the time, which was boy band culture and stuff well, like that.
0: Mm, yeah but boy band culture was big in America as well. Do you know what I mean Nuked I'm not on, saying it was kids on the block. I don't think so this is what we need to start this is this is where the the chat needs to go like we I think we've decided what we how we and we said how we feel about the album. Yeah, yeah yeah, the reason who and the blowfish didn't get big in England, and the reason that not just the verve because the Verve did all right, but pulp mm. oasis. Mm. Uh, we've spoken at length before about Oasis not cracking America and their mm-hmm. inability to crack America. Mm-hmm. Despite why? what Liam might say, "Yeah, why is that? Ha- why did that happen?"
1: Well, the obvious answer, and the one that is going to annoy me the most, because I can imagine someone from like I love the '90s saying it in an annoying uh, uh, way, but it's you know, the Verve is an innately British record, yeah, and hooting and the Blowfish. are an innately American band in Mm -hmm. their traits and the way that they present themselves so if you look at Urban Hymns I remember
0: uh, yeah but aren't Pearl Jam and aren't Rage Against the Machine an American not in the same isn't Madonna innately isn't Bruce Springsteen innately American uh, the last two examples
1: are a bit harder but not in the same kind of sprightly glitz and glamour star spangled banner um ooh, that rhymed. Uh manor. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I I didn't do any of that intentionally. Um, do you the know what Post I mean? Malone, <laughs> no, I,
0: I have think, to kill you. I think I just beat out a rhyme there. <laughs> uh, did. And then ruined it with something like Mick Hucknell straight away after. Um Yeah. Um there's a glitz a sheen.
1: Mm. There's something over the top of it. It's almost as if you've put cling film over it, and you've you've pressed it to everyone's faces and the the back, you know, the back of the stage and all that kind of thing. But the, but it just gives it this sheen, which is almost invisible and yet perceptibly there. Mm. And it's, it's a cheesiness. Earnest. It's, it's earnest. Earnest, absolutely. Now
0: I'm not saying the verve don't mean what they say and they're not earnest in what they say, but there's a difference between being being earnest. And being that kind of earnest. Yes. Now, there's I think there's two things at play here as to why Hootie and the Blowfish didn't translate. I, I think we're gonna struggle to, to decide to to you know to realise why the verb didn't translate because we're not American, we didn't grow up in America, it's difficult, you know. Americans have quite tight peripheral vision, don't we, they? Yeah, we can posit a couple of theories. Yeah, though. I'm sure. Um we this is a time where it was called Britannia, wasn't it? We were yes. cool in this country for the first time in a long, long time. Wasn't this? At least just we thought pre, we were. Pre, anyway. Just pre that, wasn't it? 94? I kind of
1: think 95, 96 is cool, Tanya. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's true. I think
1: it's just prior I, to that.
0: Well, I think, so Kurt, when Kurt Cobain died in mm-hmm. 94, mm-hmm. I think the music press went on the offensive for british music i think there's actually a melody maker cover with brett anderson from suede on the front cover saying who do you think you're kidding mr cobain and it's got this mocked up by like, the dad's army um thing with all the british flags coming and an american flag trying to cross over and it's like britain bites back so i do think suede oasis 94 definitely maybe comes out uh park life by blurs out at that point as well i do think certainly the music press mm-hmm. certainly the music, maybe not people because i think you know, maybe not your general man on the street who probably mm. was listening to Pearl Jam and, you know, Soundgarden. And those bands did manage to translate. But they, there's a bit more of a country twang to Hooting the Blowfish. And I do think we're seeing the roots of cool britannia you're seeing mm-hmm. you know, yeah tony, definitely. tony blair taking over as the Labour prime minister train spotting, well, shallow grave which was uh shallow grave the, would have been this year yeah, yeah would have been that year. You, you've got a you know a bunch of um young actors coming up at the same time as well You've got people like damien Hurst doing things mm-hmm. tracy emin there was a lot of people who were getting in the public eye from britain mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and we it, i i definitely felt like you know, I think Terry Venables has taken over as the England manager as well. And yep. you know, suddenly we were looking forward to Euro ninety six. We're gonna be hosting yep. the European Championships. Um or that's England rather than Britain, obviously. But um <coughs> but it felt like, you know, this is where the, the walls not even the walls started to go up because I don't think It was like you know a a xenophobic against the rest of the world kind of thing. I think it was just turning around and going, "We are, we do have the best bands. We do have the best culture. We do have stuff to celebrate, uh, which is great." And that you know that was a really, really like. And you turned around and said, "Our boy band culture." I actually think you know looking back on it, and I I kind of I fought against it quite a lot at the time because I liked Green Day and Offspring and Nirvana, and I liked American bands probably a lot more than I liked British bands. Yeah, but actually to see Jarvis Cocker get up on stage at the Brits and flap his ass at Michael Jackson because he thought he was being a pretentious prick, like nothing sums it up more than that. That Cure interview at the Grammys recently or the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, nothing sums it up the difference between both of us more than that. And I think it's brilliant that these have come together because the dour nature of Great Britain versus the kind of aspirational ideology of america yes are kind of perfectly summed up in this record i think they're kind of personified on both yeah you've got the drugs don't work like a cat in a bag waiting to drown (laughs) right it's a song that says we're fucked like yes pretty much this is a uh, shit being alive is shit like fucking find something that you can enjoy because it's always going to be shit Mm -hmm. and then you've got let her cry which is basically going We'll laugh about this one day. Let her do what she. We can do it together if we come together. We can rise up and we can. And it's it, that kind of that aspirational, like you know, we're all looking down, but one day, you know, we know we're going to be at the top of the tree because yeah. this is America, it's the American we can Dream. Do whatever we want, yeah. and that to me, those you know, versus Richard Ashroff going, "Well, if the drugs don't work, then fuck it." <laughs> and that yes. to me yeah. is the total personification of. Wh- the difference between these two albums and why one works culturally in this country and the other one works culturally in their country but never the twain shall meet
1: yes i i, I absolutely agree with that i think even i i'm not overtly familiar with the cracked rearview mirror um uh artwork not all of it anyway um but if you look at the through the booklet for urban hymns as well every single picture could have only been taken in the uk do you know what i mean really rainy dour. there's there's one in a park there's one there's one which is just of like a concrete tower block you know and stuff like that and it's just that's just so britain Mm. uk you know um i don't know what's in the who what's in the who in the book but even even the album cover looks more striking than that it's some weird kind of um almost super unknowny kind of Mm. weird amalgam psychedelic kind of thing way more interesting than any of the music on it um i would say um but yes i think you've pretty much hit on the reason why (laughs) Mm. um And yet those two, those differences between America and the UK seem to be blurring more and more and more these days. Why is that, do you think? Is it because the world is shrinking due to the internet?
0: Yeah. You know, when was the last time there was a scene from a place? Doesn't really happen anymore. The Seattle scene, the Sunset Strip, um, the kind of explosion of cool Welsh bands at the the beginning of the millennium. Peckham Rye. Okay, I don't know that. But, um, you know, yeah, uh, uh you know the the Gothenburg sound. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that doesn't really happen. You know, anymore. Norwe- true Norwegian black metal, mm. like those things, don't really exist anymore. And it's because everything is on online. You can, you don't get to get. You know that I, I always thought that was a cool thing. And you know, and again, this is why the Verve feel much more like a product of Manchester along with, like, you know, the Stone Roses or Spiral Carpets and Happy Mondays and Joy Division and New York. Like, they feel much more like they genuinely come from Manchester. Yeah, definitely. Or the northeast of England. Definitely. um, Rather than Hootie and the Blowfish, which has sort of taken Seattle. And, 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 you know, Seattle grew... the, The sort of scene in Seattle definitely would have grown organically due to many differing factors... And then sold so many records. It's it's when it something starts to sell lots of records that the rest of the world then or it used to be. Once something sells a lot of records, then the rest of the world goes, Great, we'll do that as well. Pretty much. Yeah. And I think Hootie the Blowfish and all Bandit were like, okay, that's what selling is it, let's do that then, cool. But yeah. we can make it a little bit nicer. Yeah. Um Which and doesn't... you don't need to do that now because yeah. you can hear anything ever all the time forever you just make whatever you want
1: which is quite nice actually but then i suppose that also feeds into why you know with it's very easy to personify what the 60s was the 70s the 80s the 90s historians are finding that very difficult with the uh, early well with the, we're gonna have to call it the noughties aren't we um it's even you know obviously it's always very difficult to define uh what culture is when you're when you're in the decade but the tens i mean we're almost at the end of the tens mm. how do you describe the tens I've i have no, no idea. fucking idea no idea
0: to me it's hey it's going to be hey remember the tens when we all tried to remember what it was like to be in the 80s yeah exactly
1: yeah yeah i mean uh, i don't know you know there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of rhetoric which we won't go into now because that would be a, take a very long time as to whether that's good or a bad thing. And there's probably uh, an honest truth somewhere in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, but yes, I suppose you don't get albums that can represent a place as strongly as you used to do. No. Uh, which both of these albums personify.
0: Mm. I think you're quite right. I'll tell you the other interesting things. We talked about Britain and America quite a lot. Um, Urban Hymns by The Verve. Top 20 in Argentina, 18 in Canada, got to number 11 in Germany, um, uh, got number 4 in Finland. Mm-hmm. Um, Hootie and the Blowfish got to number 7 in Australia, number 1 in Canada, number 45 in Germany, um, number 16 in Scotland, where it is joint. Three Colours Red, pure, got to number 16 in the UK album charts. So. That's yeah. the kind of level of popularity we talk. Apart from that, so the rest of the world just didn't give a toss. I think we forget this quite a lot because as British people and listening to a lot of American bands, and probably as Americans yeah. as well, I mean, this is the other thing about why the Verve might have not crossed over. Americans tend to have quite peripheral vision as mm. to uh, what they like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think it wouldn't. A lot of this probably. you know there are some kind of anglophiles in america who you know love the smiths and Mm -hmm. and and and, you know oasis or whatever but they're sort of fairly few and far between in comparison with people just like i want to hear american voices doing american things Mm -hmm. um and maybe we're a little bit guilty about that in in britain as well but it's weird the rest of the worlds don't really give a shit about either of them no no they really don't i think australia are the only other country that seem to be that fast?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we would, more or less, broadly deem the Western world, isn't it? More yeah. or less, um, but uh, which basically means mainly white people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, um, there you go. I thought that's that's an interesting thing that's happened, and it made me think a lot about uh you know our different cultures and our differences and and why those things happened and you know like um yeah it was uh, it was an odd it's an it's an odd listening back and think considering those two albums back to back is is a, a, a unusual quirky thing
1: mm. it's just a shame that you and steven seagal had to fall out well mm-hmm. we have
0: yeah but you know i've got um i'm mates with van damme now Oh, um, are yeah. Be picking you a Belgian album next week. Jean-Claude sure. Van Damme.
1: I was reading a brilliant piece this is unrelated to anything we've just said. Yeah. I was reading a brilliant piece about Street Fighter. The uh I read that. The Guardian yeah, thing. Really oh good. my god, he it is hilarious. Like dick, he? <sighs> he was on a Oh, can I say this ridiculous coke habit? It's out there, isn't it? I well, can well, say this. You're only
0: quoting the Guardian. Uh right? yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just if you want to find out the uh history of possibly one of the worst movies ever made please go just just google guardian uh street fighter jean-claude van damme i'm sure it will
0: come up it's tell you what mate adam reese who writes yes i think he's gonna beat you up for slagging off the street fighter movie he fucking loves it
1: yeah i I, adam's a lovely guy i'm not into his taste in film but that's cool we can still be friends Mm.
0: He is uh the, the Hootie fan to your Richard Ashcroft, isn't he? <laughs> uh, anyway. Fine, we'll go with that, yeah. Next week, we well, think we're gonna struggle to top that as a as a trade-off. That was good shit, Renfrey. But um, what are you gonna give me next week? Uh next week,
1: I would like to give you uh Beach Slang's debut album. Okay. And I can't remember the title, it's a really long title. All right. But if you give me yours then I will be able to look it up and then I can Okay.
0: Well I'm going to give you a a very a sort of true underground classic I think. I don't know if you've ever heard this before but I consider this to be a true underground classic. Okay. Um and a very very influential record. Um when the kite string pops the debut album from Acid Bath. Right. Okay. It's going to get heavy again Free. Okay. Okay um you we just say the Davey beach slang album and we'll uh <laughs> that's fine I no think. i'm determined to find it, it's called, it. it's called
1: it's oh. called the things we do to find people who feel like us
0: yeah okay i remember <laughs> that coming out i think all right cool so next week the things we do to find people who sound like us look, feel like feel us. like us he said look shit uh by beach slang i'll be doing that remfree will be listening to when the kite string pops by acid bath those are going to be different records. They're going to be different records. Yeah. Don't listen to my one when you're on the house on your own and the curtain's drawn with the lights off. You'll get scared. It's fucking horrible, that record. Okay. Uh, so next week, we're going to be doing that. Plus, we're going to be reviewing Cage the Elephant. No. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> um. Li- just quickly, right? I listened to the Cage the Elephant album, and I was like, should we chuck the Cage the Elephant album in there? Renfri completely dismissed it. If you listen to it?
1: No It's shit
0: I won't no. worry about it So there you go That's the review We've reviewed it It's rubbish What are we doing next
1: week? Um oh, loads of stuff Loads of stuff It's <laughs> their business Come <laughs> I on let's just go I'm going to shit loads of gigs next week And we're reviewing albums and I can't remember who yeah, That's fine They'll come back I'm sure yeah, they right, It's right, been yeah, really cool. good they Why would they not come back? <laughs>